Hello, hello, Happy New Year! I'm Dr. Yishan. If you have listened to my podcast before, you possibly know I am a board-certified sleep psychologist. I also run a group practice in San Francisco Bay Area, serving mostly Asian population. So I have been doing this podcast out of my passion in the sleep knowledge and sleep science since 2018, and I'm so happy that. In this whole journey, I have interviewed so many awesome sleep doctors, sleep psychologists, coaches, and entrepreneurs. So I really think learning sleep science myself definitely changed my own way of thinking of sleep and my own way of adjusting my own sleep schedule. So right before the new year, during the holiday season. I actually started a seven-day sleep challenge, totally free, and I just turned it into an evergreen seven-day challenge. So, if you ever want to take seven days of your time to do something to improve your sleep, please feel free to check it out, and you can register anytime to receive seven emails from me talking about seven tips to improve your sleep. And the website is mindbodygarden.com/sleepchange. So other than sleep, I'm also a psychologist, and I deal with a lot of mental health problems in my clinical work. And I really think have a stable, healthy emotion is so important, not only for your individual life, but also important for your family life. So today, our guest is Dr. Alex Wills. He is a psychiatrist and founder of Perma Mental Health. He just published a new book called "Give a F." Actually, reclaim yourself with the five steps of radical emotional acceptance. And in this interview, he will share with us the detailed steps and knowledge of achieving radical emotional acceptance. So let's welcome Dr. Wills. Hello, Dr. Wells. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Hello, it's so great to be here. Thank you. So I heard you are a board-certified psychiatrist, actually. So it sounds like you deal with emotions quite a lot. Yeah, that's sort of my I eat, breathe, drink, and sleep emotions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and、uh, very excited to learn that you have a new book coming out. And、uh, how about you share a little bit of your journey, your book, and just get、uh, help our audience to get to know you? Yeah, thank you.、Um, yeah, my new book,、uh, Give a F, actually、um, was inspired by doing patient care. Working with emotions with patients in a way that、uh, is is a bit unique. I got my、uh, psychiatry training over in Hawaii and started my private practice here in Idaho some years ago. And I wanted to sort of share the value of what I talk about with my patients with with the masses, so to speak.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I, I noticed that you were trained in Hawaii, and I don't know whether you noticed people living different areas in different、uh, weathers. 
they the way they experience their emotions, they express their emotions may be different. I remember I was trained in San Diego and people keep on talking, oh, in San Diego, there's people should be happy and no, you know, uh, mental health issues. But that's not really true. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's like every culture in the world has their own sort of um, method or flavor of emotional suppression. Um, I've spent a lot of time living in Japan and the uh, the emotional suppression might look quite different than in the States. Oh, oh, that's interesting. I grew up in China, so I definitely noticed in Asian culture, um, the emotional suppression is a thing. Like in the family, we never really talk about emotions. And since you're an expert here, I want to ask you, do you think it's healthier actually for the family members uh, between, you know, romantic relationship and also parents and their children, is that healthier to have some conversation about emotions? Yeah. Um, and the good news is it only takes maybe a few seconds to make your close relationships aware of your emotional state. If we leave behind all of the explanations and the blaming and the rationalization um, it might only take me 10 seconds to let them know that I might have a bit of sadness and some fear going on at that moment. And that can help them be in, emotionally in tune with my state instead of wondering and guessing why I might be behaving in a certain way. Yeah, I think you touched on a very important um, topic is that when we guess what other people are experiencing right now, right? we may have this assumption that may not be accurate. And especially I know for children, they sometimes see parents upset. A lot of children may interpret that as they possibly did something wrong or the parents may not like them and cause a lot more anxiety within the children. And uh, they're just going to carry this on for a long time. Yeah. When working with kids, uh, I like to practice helping them to build their own emotional vocabulary. Um, for example, when a child's crying and very upset to say, seems like you're very sad right now. And it's normal to feel sad when something bad happens and, and it's okay. And, you know, giving them more vocabulary to sort of practice and not, not trying to fix it or make them better right away or, you know, starting to indoctrinate them with the art of emotional suppression, say, oh, don't be sad. It's okay. We, we start to maybe teach them not to be okay with their emotions from a very young age. Wow. I love that. Um, kind of like help children understand emotions are not scary thing. Uh, and to teach them or assist them how to accept emotions. I feel like that's totally can be applied to patients with sleep disorders, right? I treat a lot of patients with insomnia. Many of them are so anxious about sleep and they cannot accept the um, sleep difficulties. And when they have emotions before bedtime and then they're just like, oh, someone have to comfort me, but nobody going to comfort themselves. I think it's essential um, for good sleep. Um in the my book talks about the five steps of radical emotional acceptance. Um, the last step is having gratitude for our emotions or our the f bomb word <laughs> our emotions. Um, if you have sincere gratitude, if you can find sincere gratitude for your fear, 
for example, they're no longer as a problem. And we oftentimes have insomnia because we're trying to fix emotions, but we need to realize emotions are not meant to be fixed. They're trying to help us be aware of our status in relationships uh, with each other, uh, with situations. And if we can have gratitude, we find ourselves in a state of peace, even in the midst of some intense emotions at times. Huh, I like what you mentioned, which a lot of people may actually don't quite understand is emotions are not meant to be fixed. But a lot of people seek help, seek mental health help, at least. They are hoping to get rid of certain emotions or fix their problems, right? They think their emotions causing problems. How do you help people understand how to really change their mind around it? Right. Well, there's a best-selling book that most people have heard of, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. And uh, this book talks about the art of sort of picking and choosing which emotions you're going to sort of allow in your life. And although there's some clever and good advice in there, um, it reflects what we hear in a lot of the psychotherapies and a lot of the self-help books, which is how can we help you fix your emotions? Um, how can we work through it? Um, how can we deal with negative emotions and, uh, you know, get rid of those icky emotions? So if we um, redefine emotions as there is no such thing as a negative emotion, they're all good in some way. They're trying to help us and we can instead become curious, how is this emotion trying to help me? So you can take this emotional part of yourself back as part of yourself. Ah. Wow, I, I like that direction to think about how this emotion is trying to help me, right? Even it's anxiety, it's fear, it's something we don't like. It, it may still serve a function that can be helpful if we are willing to take the message. Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, you also mentioned one concept sounds really um, important and cool. It's a radical emotional acceptance. Can you please explain more about that? What is that? Uh, so there's a, a phrase out there, radical acceptance, that's common used in a type of therapy called a DBT or dialectical behavioral therapy. And in the original writings, it talks about using this as a way to avoid some of the toxic emotions like anger and so on. So I wanted to redefine this. I, I love the concept of radical acceptance. So radical emotional acceptance is radical acceptance applied to emotions. We don't need to only radically accept reality around us and ourselves, but we can radically accept our emotions too and realize that there's really no problem with the emotions and try to tune into how they're trying to help us. Oh, interesting. So let me try to understand this from a sleep point of view, right? So um, sometimes, you know, in our life, there are things we can control, there are things we cannot control. And when people cannot sleep well, they may feel like sleep, when they can fall asleep, is something they cannot control, right? And uh, but they are maybe something they could control, like the the behaviors before bedtime and what they can do, what they they can avoid. And uh, so sounds like if they can accept, okay, how to fall asleep, 
I it's out of my control and it's okay. I can deal with it. And at the same time, I feel anxious about not falling asleep all the time. And uh, this anxiety possibly is telling me something and uh, let me face it. Let me listen to it and accept that anxiety is going to be there before bedtime. Is that what it sounds like? Yeah, um, it echoes back to uh, Viktor Frankl, I believe, and his paradoxical intentions when it comes to uh, treating sleep problems. Um, I like to think that I take it one step further. And so just instead of trying to give up on controlling our sleep, uh, we can actually find a, a state of peace by finding, again, gratitude for the emotions. Um, for example, um, I know on your shows before, you've talked about cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And uh, we will you know, often think of the sleep-limiting thoughts, right? Um, I would add to that with my sleep-limiting thought, for example, oh, I'm not going to... I'm not going to feel good tomorrow if I don't get any sleep. Um, there's, I would add an emotion to that, which is maybe fear. I have this fear that if I don't get any sleep, I'm not going to function well tomorrow. And finding gratitude that, yeah, you know, that, that's true. There, there's a reason I'm having this fear. And it's making me aware that there is a potential threat that I won't be um, as, as good tomorrow. And you, you can... As you master this, as you become good at becoming okay with the emotions, you'll know that you've successfully done it because you will notice you go back to a state of peace. And oftentimes you will find yourself sleeping. Wow. Yes. I, I like this. I hope more patients could really start using this. Um, CBT, I feel like part of the work is to really correct uh, some of the distorted thoughts and including sleep-related distorted thoughts. But when I was trained uh, with my professor for treating sleep disorders, I noticed she's trying to use some of the acceptance-based methods too to really help people deal with some of these thoughts and the feelings um, that really come up in themselves. And um, so I like the way you mentioned how to really face this and uh, kind of like talk to ourselves in a slightly different way. And this kind of self-talk, uh, self-talk, I guess it can be very powerful to really make some change inside ourselves and generate some peacefulness. Right. I think the, um, the caution is sometimes with the, the self-talk, we can uh, fall back into that trap of trying to control or trying to fix the emotions. So if we have this agenda that oh, if I only follow these steps, I'm going to make the fear go away. We've already lost the battle. We, we need to instead realize that the fear is good. It's trying to help us. And then there's no longer this war with ourselves. Oh, the war with ourselves. <laughs> I think that's very accurate, right? A lot of time we are really suffering. We just won't, we are not willing to let something go inside of ourselves. And that actually come up with a lot of, um, challenges I noticed in people, like you, you can teach them the strategies and the concept be, behind certain things and somehow just very hard for someone to apply that in their life. And at the moment or at night, when, when they start having feelings, they still like experience a lot of this disturbance inside themselves. They, they may 
uh, still want to do things in their old way. They still want to control things. I know a lot of insomnia patients just cannot get rid of sleep medicine. They just feel like I have to. It's just like, no, no, I cannot stop taking this. I have to put something to put me to sleep. I eat something to put me to sleep or else, you know, uh, bad things going to happen. So no matter what you do with them, it's just really hard. So I'm curious when you uh, deliver radical uh, emotional acceptance, any challenges you encountered with your patients? Yeah, I, I do believe, you know, it takes some coaching uh, I know as you do psychotherapy with your patients, uh, it's not just about teaching them the principles and helping them to understand, but it's making it real in their lives. And that's why I love psychotherapy so much is you get to, it's almost like teaching somebody to ride a bike and then the joy that they have when they're really becoming good at it. Um, I couldn't do psychotherapy with, you know, millions of people. So uh, in the book, I employ fictionalized uh, characters to try to give some really um, tangible examples that are very relatable so that people can maybe help to kind of coach themselves to make these principles real in their lives. Yeah, so if someone could have a therapist, that could be one way, right? But sounds like in your book, you really try to make this relate to our life. And with these characters, when people read your book, they possibly will, uh, feel like that's related to what they experience day to day. And uh, I haven't been able to read your book, but I know it's pre-order right now, but uh, I guess people will have some strategies and some ideas by following the book, right? To know what to do. Yeah, just uh, really trying to make it um, as applicable as possible. Um, I relied on several real life examples of those epiphany aha moments that my patients had, um, stuff that really helped them and changed their lives. I tried to put as much of that stuff in there as possible. Oh, that's awesome. I know those aha moments, sometimes it's just so, so interesting. And it would su even surprise a lot of patients themselves. They're like, I've been doing this for a while and I can see some progress, but not big enough. But one day, there's something happened or it just accumulated to a certain point and they reached that point. They were like, Oh, this is now it's totally makes sense. I definitely had patients like that before they would go with their life and come, they come back one day saying, now I understand the thing you told me before. Now it's all connected. I, I understand it deeper. It actually works for me. Yeah. So I like to say sometimes as therapists, we are planting a seed. And I don't know when the seed is going to grow in or um, whether it's going to grow or not. And sometimes multiple providers plant the same seed and eventually something going to happen. Yeah. And, and as I'm sure you know, um, some of those or some, some things can become weeds and sort of choke the seed from growing. Um, one of those types of weeds is uh, certain types of medications. You know, we know with like benzodiazepines, uh, opiates, um, the chances of making really good progress in psychotherapy quickly or at all can go way down if, if somebody's on certain types of narcotics. Oh, okay. Then uh, I, I know you are a psychiatrist, so you prescribe medication too, right? How do you balance that for patients when to consider 
certain medication, when to consider psychotherapy methods more? It is a challenging sort of um, balance. And in a way, um, sometimes we could be perceived as uh, as waiters. You know, we we give the patient the the menu of all the different options and the, the recommendations of, you know, the pluses and minuses. And with informed consent, they can sort of choose the treatment that they want. Um, oftentimes they, they don't choose what you might want them to choose. Um, however, you try to provide the most comprehensive care. Um, and uh, I definitely have a bit of a bias towards psychotherapy. Uh, I think I swallowed a psychotherapy pill when I was in my residency training. Yeah. So I, I really like to see changes that way. But I think there sometimes, you know, is a place for medication and the combination can help people. And it's such a individualized thing. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I also noticed um, when we talk about medications, there are some people they experience quite a lot of physical symptoms, emotions. Uh, when I talk to children, sometimes they don't quite understand their own emotions. But if I talk to them about, you know, your body will react when you feel certain things, right? What what does your body feel like? It mm. it works for some children, and I think for adults too. So, um, have you noticed any like physical reactions and uh, how to use that? Uh, help people really understand what they are working on and deliver this kind of great method. Yeah. Um, the second step of radical emotional acceptance is to name the F or name the emotion. And I try to keep it very simple. I'll ask my patients to simply name the emotion and to describe, you know, where they feel it in their body. Or sometimes we'll do it the other way around. You know, what are the sensations in your body? And, uh, you know, what emotion might this be? And uh, from that, we can sort of accept like, okay, that's my emotional state. And the intensity is 90 out of 100. It's like, okay, well, what, what is that trying to tell us? You know, what can we learn from this? Which brings us to the next step, which is to, to listen, try to be curious and learn what it's trying to tell you about your situation, your relationships whatever your emotional radar is kind of trying to tune you into. I, I really do believe emotions are our sixth sense where we, we actually get information, very valuable emotional data that we can't get from any of our other senses. So if we can tune into this superpower, it's going to be very helpful. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, you, you use a lot of analogies. I think that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. I, I, I always think analogies are much easier for people to really understand the concept. And when you talk about naming emotions, I think that's not only important for children, but actually very important for adults too, right? I actually have some adults coming into the office. I have this uh, emotional chart, this kind of little faces for children. <laughs> and then some adults, they're like, oh, there's so many emotional words. I have no idea. Can I take a picture of this? So I can <laughs> take a look and review it at home. And then I realized, wow, not every adult uh, really know so much about vocabularies of emotion. Right. Yeah. I think those emoji charts are so valuable. Um, they're luckily accessible in everybody's phone now for text messages. You can just scroll through the faces until you find the one that describes your current emotional state. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
So I was about to ask you whether there are good ways for people to really teach themselves and uh, different about different emotions. So I know there are a lot of、uh, emoji charts online. You can just Google, and there are a lot of pictures. Are there any other ways?、Uh, of course, I think people can go to a therapist, work on that one on one, right? Is there、uh, any other good tools or any good other good ways you think people can consider as well? Uh, yeah, those are great examples. You know, that's what I, I use a lot. I try to keep it very simple.、Um, there's a, I forget the name, but somebody created an entire emotional galaxy, like listing、uh, tens of thousands of emotional words, and you can fly through the universe into different like solar systems, and each one has related emotions. For example, the emotion of feeling gregarious comes to mind, and I, I thought that was a fascinating sort of look at things.、Um, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember、um, where that's from off the top of my head. Wow, well, that sounds like a video game of emotion, <laughs> emotion words. <laughs> Whoever creates that sounds like very creative. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned emotions are like senses. I think you also had some analogy in your book. Like、uh, mentioning emotions are like colors. What、yeah. what's that? How that is related? I've noticed the、uh, patients find it very helpful to think of、um, emotions as colors.、Uh, it's、um, everybody understands the you know、uh, sense of sight, and we usually don't walk around saying you know well that's a good color and that's a negative color.、Um, that's a that's a Color I want, and I don't. I don't want to have this color in my life anymore.、Uh, imagine, you know, you'd be making yourself crazy if you decided to say, you know, there's no red in my life today. No red at all. I don't see red.、Um, you'd be gaslighting yourself. Yet we do the same thing with emotions all the time. Oh, no anger. I don't. I don't have anger. Anger never happens to me. I'm not an angry person.、Um, when in reality, emotions like color happen to us. You look over here, and green happens to you. You look over here, and blue happens to you. The same thing with emotions. So, if we get over the idea that、um, we are sort of creating our own emotions or choosing、um, and, or blaming ourselves for our emotions,、um, we can sort of have a better relationship. Just like color is giving us useful data, emotions are giving us useful data. Yeah. Oh, I love that.、Uh, that's a That's an easier way to really understand, right? It's like just like colors, like what we see day to day, what we hear day to day. You cannot really avoid it. You cannot run away from it. Then how you really use all the data? And I I live in Silicon Valley, Bay Area, and a lot of engineers here. Everyone love data, and <laughs> emotions actually could be a type of data, and our thoughts could be another type of data, right? We we are just they are accumulating. No matter what we want,、uh, they are just there every day, and we are having a lot of this data. And how we react to emotions, to our thoughts, what happened afterwards, it's also data. Then, do people really use this data or not? If I could imagine, if we suppress our emotions so much, we are not using the data, but they are still there. I've made some of the best decisions in my life、um, that I could not have made had it not been for the emotional data giving me 
giving me senses of things that I otherwise just wouldn't have known. Um, and the same is true for the people I help. And so, yeah, I just sort of want to, you know, tune people into their sixth sense. So you, you too can enjoy this, uh, special power we have. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. I think if people can really, um, understand this concept you mentioned, and try to apply this to their life. It's a great way to empower ourselves to find out, wow, actually we could live with emotions in a more joyable and uh, peaceful way. Like it's not emotions always control us to do this, that we actually could um, use emotions in a healthier way, I guess. Right. Right. Great. So, um, you know, your book is coming out. I want all audience know about your book. It sounds like a really awesome book with a lot of great concept in it. So when is it going to be published and where people can find your book? Yeah, it's um, going to be in early January uh, released. It's available for pre-sale now. And um, it's distributed by Simon and Schuster. Um, you should be able to find it anywhere in the world that English books are sold. Um, you can come to my website as well, uh, radicalemotionalacceptance.com, and you can see, you know, more information about the book and so, some merchandise that we just decided to launch, which is it's kind of fun stuff about emotions and the the f bomb word and all. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that sounds interesting. I want to take a look to see whether I can get some for my, you know, uh, office too. <laughs> Since we work with people about emotions a lot, when we have children, we have adults as clients. So I want to see what are great things we can put in the office. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's something like exciting. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. And any last wisdom you want to share with us? If you know everyone's listening, no matter they have some sleep difficulties or they have some emotional challenges, like any last words you want to make sure everyone can take away today. Sure. Yeah. Just. Imagine if your emotions are not the problem, how is that going to change everything for you and, and your sleep? A lot to think about. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Wills, for taking our time, coming to the show, sharing with us your exciting new books. Really look forward to reading it. Thank you, Sean. So I hope you liked this interview. If you want to learn more about his work, you can go to his website at radicalemotionalacceptance.com. So I have another announcement. Starting this year, I want to spend more time to do self-care, to learn more knowledge, to improve my own clinical knowledge. So I decide to reduce the frequency of this podcast to every other week. I think that's my own struggle to balance my personal life and professional life. As a busy entrepreneur, I want to bring you high quality of content without burning out myself. So that's the plan so far. I will publish a new episode every other week. At the same time, I will try to post on different social media platforms about any updates, interesting sleep and mental health related knowledge on there. You can interact with me and my team on different social media platforms. If you just search Dr. Yishan on 
any like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all these platforms and LinkedIn, you should be able to find us. So I'm very excited to start this new year with a new plan. I hope you start your new year in a good way too. Be happy, be healthy, and prioritize your sleep. I'm Dr. Yishan. I will see you next time. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.